Hi everyone and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling blue sea. It never rains, it's always sunny. This podcast began during lockdown. We galloped through or sauntered through many, many books of the Bible now. I'm a disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. Good morning, dear friends and saunterers. Welcome to another saunter. We're on, we're doing 1 Peter chapter 2 today. And this whole series is called Precious because Peter is making this incredible um, comparison between the things that are worthless and the things that are precious. And Jesus obviously is his primary target, the thing that is the most precious, the one that is the most precious. And he so let's let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. I'd just like to say before we do, thank you to everyone who's been persevering and trying to get on top of things like the um oh podcast and all the rest of it. The technology sometimes can get in the way, can't it? And my my desire is to make it available and accessible and to get God's word out there and be available to people rather than put so many obstacles up that it becomes too complicated. Anyway, so here we go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for your incredible love, your incredible grace. And thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you. He is the most precious one. And Lord Jesus, today we want to prioritise our day by meeting with you and getting around your word right first thing. And so, Lord, we ask you to speak to us now in your glorious name. Amen. So good morning, Fliss. Lovely to see you. So here we go. So chapter two, then one Peter, chapter two. And Peter is saying, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Good morning, Mikola. Good to see you. And so he's saying, listen, you need to get rid of all this stuff. This stuff is worthless. All the malice and deceit get rid of it. It's like stripping down for a race. We talked about that, didn't we? Girding up the loins of your mind. It's like the athlete would strip down to be completely naked to run in the Olympic Games. And we've moved on a little bit. We have skin tight clothes, but at least we're kind of somewhat modest. But um, he's saying, get rid of all of this malice and deceit. These things, hypocrisy, envy, slander, these things are worthless. These things are going to hinder your race. They're going to hinder your pursuit of that which is really precious and really holy and really pure. And then he's saying, like a newborn baby, crave, long for the pure spiritual milk. 
I've got this great privilege of having some little people in my life again. And and when your kids grow up, you kind of miss that lovely, tender desire that there is in the little newborn to just be with mummy, getting that milk, getting that sustenance, drawing it down, that rich, nutritious stuff. And he's saying that's what we need to be like in our desire for the Lord and the desire for him and his word. And he says, long for that pure spiritual milk. And can you see straight away there that contrast between malice and envy and slander in comparison to the pure spiritual milk? Good morning, Adrian. And he's saying that's what we need to be desiring. We need to long for it, crave for it like a baby. And the baby will let you know when he or she's hungry and when they want milk because literally they've got one one kind of word in their language, which is wah. And the minute they want the, this their sustenance, they're going to go wah. And you know it's time for milk. And he's saying we need to be like that. We need to crave it as the deer longs for the water, pants for the water when it's being hunted. So my soul longs after you, the psalmist writes, doesn't he? And so he's saying, crave it. And actually, this is going to be the thing that craving, that longing for the pure spiritual milk is going to be the thing that makes you grow up into into your salvation. It's going to be the thing that helps us to mature. And he says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And it's almost like he throws that in as an afterthought. Well, of course, we know the Lord is good. So why wouldn't we crave that? Because the word is how he speaks to us, is how he connects with us. The word and the spirit by his Holy Spirit through the word and in the word. And it, good morning, David. He draws us into his presence He nourishes us with this sincere, pure, lovely spiritual milk. And it's such a contrast. And I think what there's this somehow this idea that spiritual milk is for babies. It's actually for all of us. We need to just be as hungry as you like for the milk of God's word. And let's not get into this hierarchy of need thing where we somehow think, well, I'm mature now. I need deep spiritual truths. Just don't try and do, don't try and make the distinction. Just get in his word. Let it nourish you. Listen to people who can expound it and open it up to you and make it make sense and make it come alive. Some people are just not that great at reading. But nowadays there's so many resources for people who can't read well. And just even just connecting with something like this where somebody's reading it out and expounding it a little bit. It just, it helps us to get nourished and get fed and so on. So let's crave it, Peter says, like a newborn baby. Let's cry out for it. Verse four, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Here we go. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So he's saying, actually, this this stone, this living stone, that is Jesus. He's a rock. He's a stone. He's a door. He's a... (laughs) He's a shepherd. He's a thousand things, isn't he? But he says, like, we're coming to him, a living stone. Remember, we said we've been 
brought born again into a living hope because Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He's not like some um, great person of the past who still has relevant things to say. No, he's alive. He's personally alive. He's alive right now. He's in the room here with me. He's in the room there with you. He's the living stone. He's the foundation stone of everything that God is building and everything that God has ever built, including the universe. But he's actually a living stone rejected by men. Listen, the human mind, the human wisdom, the sum of human knowledge and greatness and wonder and everything else rejected Jesus. They nailed him to a cross. So let's not take our cues from the values of this world. But actually, he's saying this living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen, eclectos. It's that same word that he's used. Peter has used for us and for the Jewish people. God's chosen us and called us. And he's saying this, this living stone, Jesus, is chosen by God. is is his choice that the one that the world rejects would be. Good morning, Nadia. I hope you can understand me enough. And he is, he's the living stone. The world has rejected him and yet God has chosen him to be the foundation of everything. Of everything that God is building, Jesus is the foundation of it. And he is chosen and precious Time. That word precious. Remember we said the word for more precious, your faith that is more precious than gold is polutimos. Polut, gosh, I'm not Greek, am I? Polutimos. And it's this from the same, the, the, this is the root word, this time, time. He is precious. Jesus is precious. You yourselves, like living stones, so we're also stones and we're being built into this spiritual house. And Hebrews talks, the writer to the Hebrews talks about that and we covered that in a previous saunter which is all up on the podcast if you want to find it we've been built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood now listen this is the heritage of the nation of Israel but we as Gentile believers are grafted into that and we become part of that spiritual house we become part of that holy priesthood wow we are called to be priests it's not like Oh, there's the priest at the front of the church. You can tell because he or she's got the dog collar on. That's not how it works. Actually, we're called, you and me are called to be a holy priesthood. That means that we connect directly with God. We have a relationship with him. We come to him with our prayers. We come to him with our worship and our affection, our devotion. Good morning, Sarah. And we pour our hearts out in adoration for him, to him. We are, and we represent our communities before him. We pray for our communities. We pray for our families. We're a priesthood. Wow, can you believe that? And you never even went to seminary or Bible college. But look at that. See, God's called you to be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What kind of sacrifices is he looking for? The same as always. He was never interested in blood and guts and dead animals. He was interested in the sacrifices of God, which are a broken and contrite heart. It's the heart that comes humbly and 
pours out before God. Good morning, Kaz. That is the sac. Those are the sacrifices of God. The things that God is pleased with is someone who comes to him in humility and just says, God, here I am. I need you. There's a song I absolutely adore and it's I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you more, more than words can say and more than the air I breathe, more than the song I sing and so on and so on. And and that's that. That's the sacrifices. God's not interested in whether our voice sounds great when we sing. He's not interested in that. What he's interested in is is the posture of our heart before him, the, the surrender of our hearts before him. Whoo, yes, Lord. So verse six, it says, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. What I'm just going to say, little side shoot, is all of these things Peter is saying are so um, present in the Old Testament. You just look around a little bit and you see all of these themes. So even Peter, who's he didn't have a great education. Good morning, Sam. Good to see you. He, he didn't have a great education. He wasn't going to be known as one of the greatest minds in history or the greatest academics. And yet he quotes again and again. And he references all of these themes that are running throughout the Old Testament. It is truly remarkable when you think he never went to school, probably past the age of 12. He never went to Bible college. He never had a formal education. And yet this is Peter. And through the Holy Spirit, he's accessing all of the treasures of the Old Testament. And he keeps kind of sliding them in here one after the other. And he makes direct quotes, but he alludes to many, many other scriptures. And if you've got a Bible with footnotes in, you could spend a, a useful hour or two following up all of these connections because Peter really does dig into the scriptures amazing right so he says verse six for it stands in scripture behold I am laying in Zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious whoever believes in him that is Jesus will not be put to shame so he's so Jesus is this cornerstone this this key element to the building. Um, Paul says no other foundation can be laid other than the one that has been laid, which is Christ. Paul says, I laid one foundation. This is it. Christ, him crucified. And so God, but of course it was God who was laying the foundation, wasn't it? Not the apostle Paul. Um, He says, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Verse seven, so the honour, teammate, same word, precious, value, a price of something, the honour is for you who believe, but for, or another translation says, I think the old, um, and I, um, sorry, King James Version says, to those who believe this name is precious. And that's so true for me. Those the, When I hear people say the name of Jesus, I kind of think, I want to say, gosh, do you know him too? Oh, yeah. Wow. He's my friend. And oh, yeah. Someone said I, I made someone jump yesterday in and I popped my head in the office of the gym to say something to one of the staff. And she said, Jesus. And I said, no, no, I'm not him, but I'm one of his great buddies. I'm one of his friends, you know, and it's like, yes, he's anyway, let's go. Stay on. Stay on track. So the honor, the precious is for you who believe. 
but for those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So even if you don't believe, Jesus is the cornerstone. And here we go, verse 8, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. And do you know what? Around the world today, it's like God has given us this binary choice. Choose death or choose life. And you would think everyone would choose life. But because life means turning to Jesus, people don't. Because they they find him offensive. He's a rock of offence. He's a stumbling block. He, they trip over it. They trip over him instead of coming to life through him, instead of saying, yes, I want to be part of what you're doing, Lord, build me into your house. They trip over the stone and they miss the whole point and they they get offended by Jesus and turn away from God's gift of life. Why is that? I don't know. But there's something in the human heart that is fundamentally in rebellion against God, and that is because of our sin. There's only when we can humble ourselves and repent of our sin, that fundamental antipathy, hostility towards God, that we can truly be saved. And and it, and, and as as we come to him, we're, he becomes the one who is the most precious. As we surrender, get off of our pride, get off of our rebellious spirit thing. And turn to God and say, Jesus, let me accept. I surrender myself to you. I accept your means of salvation for me, Lord God. I'm humbling myself. I receive Jesus. Ah, yes, Lord. Righty-ho. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Isn't that awful? It's like you've got a destiny. It is that you're going to reject God's means of salvation oh god that is awful so but let's be the ones who buck that trend and surrender to jesus and embrace him and say yes lord i want life i want to be in count me in i'm coming in jesus i accept your offer thank you lord oh in humility verse nine but here's the but but you He's saying, so that's, some people do that. Some people choose to reject Jesus. Some people stumble over that rock and he becomes an offence to them. But you, verse nine, but you, there's something different here. He's making that comparison, that contrast again. But you are a chosen race. Again, we got that sense of being chosen by God a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Wow. And so we've got this ancient scripture you are a chosen people a holy priesthood we got that old testament promise to israel peter's restating that but he's also including in it the gentile believers and he's saying you you were not a people you weren't a people you weren't chosen but now you are once you were not a people but now you are god's people once i was just a gentile now I'm actually God's people. Isn't that incredible? Because of Jesus, he's called 
as out of darkness into his marvellous light. Can you see this? Peter is dealing with such a clear binary choice, such a black and white contrast. He's saying, once you were not, now you are. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. He said, you've been chosen. You've been called out of darkness into his wonderful light, into his marvellous light. Isn't that glorious? And and why? Because we're going to keep declaring the excellencies, proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus. We're just going to. And that's what I've done. That's what I've done with my life. I spent my life declaring the excellencies of Jesus, talking about the wonderful things he's done and just trying to make him known to people. I wish I could have made him known to more people. But there you go. Um, I And so. Here we are. That's why I'm here now. That's why I'm talking now, so that we declare his excellencies, the one of, uh, of him who called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. Isn't it incredible? It's an amazing offer. You you wouldn't think that anyone would reject it. Good morning, Raymond. Good to see you. Dobry den, Sergey. Um... Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Can you see this contrast? It's, it's so literally dark and light, night and day. Verse 11. So in the context of all of this now, he's going to give us some instruction. In the context of our identity, it's important that we understand that our identity is in him. It's not in our ethnicity. Our identity is in Jesus. It's no longer in whether I'm a Jew or a Gentile. My identity is that I am in Christ. It's not that I'm male or female or any other identity that I might want to. The world is kind of peddling and promoting is actually my identity. It's no longer I who live, the Apostle Paul says, but Christ who lives in me. It's, that's, that's my identity. I am in him. I am in Christ. Who is Paul White? He's in Christ. That's who he is. Verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners. There we are. That's that pilgrim, the temporary resident. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So once again, he's reminding us that we're only temporary residents in the earth, wherever we are, whether we're in our homeland, the place of our birth, or whether we've become part of a diaspora like the people he's writing to, who've been scattered among the nations. Actually, it's still not really our lasting home it, we're still temporary residents we're still pilgrims nomads on the way through we're we're passing through and sure enough we're a royal priesthood and we're praying for the nation where we live and we're we're interceding and being representing Jesus and preaching the gospel and all of those things but because he's in because you've got another home, another destiny, because you've been called out of darkness into light, because you're being built into this precious living um, building, this house made of living stones, because of all of these things, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Once again, there's a choice. He's saying choose the precious 
abstain from the worthless. In fact, this is worse than worthless. He says, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. These things are actually hostile and a negative, have a negative impact. They are damaging to us. They're damaging to our soul. And he's saying, abstain from these things and actually choose to walk in the reality and then the in the in the reality of our identity in Christ this is really really important make this choice because this isn't where we live this isn't our lasting home we're going somewhere much 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 more better much more beautiful let's live like citizens of that kingdom let's live like citizens of heaven on the earth so we abstain from the passions of the flesh and we see people around us yielding themselves giving themselves over to those things and becoming swallowed up in that kind of life in and peter saying you guys you're different be different live different and let your conduct among the gentiles verse 12 be honorable so that when they speak against you because they will because they want to because they've they've tripped over the stone they've rejected the stone that is Jesus. They've tripped over him. He's become an offense to them. So they're going to try and blame you. They're going to try and shoot the messenger and blame us for for something. They'll try and find something we've done wrong. And um, I know for some of us, like Raymond, I know that where you are, Raymond, they'll find fault with you for anything because the government is uh, is absolutely opposed to Christians and is actually trying to um, drive them out of the country and close down their operations and so they will try to find something to blame you for and to to accuse you of but actually let your conduct among the gentiles be honorable so actually there's no there's nothing they can find fault with unless it's like daniel where they find fault with you for being a believer so that when they speak e- against you as evildoers they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, hi, Nikki. Good to see you. I don't know what that particular day of visitation is, whether it means the day when God moves again in power or whether it means the day of judgment or the end of the world when the Lord returns. And they're gonna, everyone's then going to have to say, well, of course, actually, the Christians were right all along. And oh, gosh, I'm what a fool I've been to reject this glorious gospel and to turn and to be hostile and persecute those who follow Jesus. There is going to be that. That's going to happen on the last day. Of course it is. But there are also going to be days along the way where God moves in power and big numbers of people get swept in again into his kingdom and then again, they their people are turning and they're saying, wow, if only I'd known. We had a lady who came to Jesus when she was 50. She cried for a whole year because she said, if only I'd known him sooner. And there, there will be, there are even now today, people who have experienced God in such a way, they've said, do you know what? I used to hate Christians. They used to really bug me, really annoy me. And now look at me, I'm one myself (laughs) because the Lord visited them. Do Do you know what I mean? So whether it's the ultimate last day, the end of the world, or whether it's a time when God moves and brings a visitation where he shows up and visits them, it doesn't really matter. Let's live our lives in such a way 
that when God does show up, they are able to glorify God in us and acknowledge that actually we were the real deal and we were walking with him after all. George Powell, lovely to see you. Listen, guys, I've got to go. Have an amazing day. Let me pray for God's blessing on each of us. So, Lord, today I want to thank you for your glorious word. Thank you that it's so alive. It so speaks to us. Lord, I pray that not one of us will will go through this day like an ordinary human being, but that will go through it absolutely full of your Holy Spirit and living like those living stones that you've chosen, that you have called precious and precious enough to build into your house. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Good morning, Era. God bless you. Have a great day, everyone. If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on, get it out there. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.